Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, and wife of one. I'm here to answer everything, speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all that other stuff that falls between. If you haven't done so yet, please follow me on social media. I can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There are all kinds of amazing things happening throughout the week where I'm giving you guys tips where I'm giving you tools and reminders and reinforcements. And most important, you get to find out what episode is coming up for the podcast and you get access to the blogs. So please come hang out with me. We are like at the second to the last of the What Is It series. And I'm happy and sad because that also means that we're getting closer to the end of the year. Next week is going to be my last recording of the year 2020 and for the year 2020. And so I'm a little bit like sad, but I'm excited about the milestones and the time that we've been able to share and the information that I've been able to put out there. And I love that you guys are continuing to give me feedback. So I'm I'm excited, but sad. It's a little bit bittersweet, y'all. So let's get right into things. We are going to continue with the part two of cognitive disorders, aka intellectual disabilities, And last week we covered, why does this happen? What's going on? What happens with my sugar? Is this my fault? Is this whose fault? What's going on? But we found out there's a lot of reasons that this can happen and it can happen in the belly. It can happen, sugar's on the way out of the belly and it can happen during the time post coming out of the belly. We talked about what kind of services would be provided and how to flag if something's going on or and what are the signs that something's going on. And we also cover what are signs, what are some clues and some hints that we can get a little bit comfortable with understanding so that if it's happening, we not only see it, but we're able to call a flag and get ourselves some help and support. This week, we're going to cover treatment options. The assessment team, which is a fancy way of saying the team that's going to test sugar, why and what we observe. And what all that good stuff means. And then most importantly, your rights as a parent. And so I want to get right into it just because we have a lot to cover. And I want to make sure that I'm giving it the the justice it deserves and the time it deserves. So let's just get all on the same page. What is a cognitive impairment, a.k.a. intellectual disability? It's something that can impact sugar's problem solving, their reasoning, their learning, the way that they conceptualize things and take concepts and integrate them into like their larger world, social and practical skills that could be used in everyday life. You know, the CDC, they say that it can limit a person's ability to learn at an expected level and an expected functional level in daily life. And so that means that the information that they, that sugar is supposed to learn is impacted at some level and it can have an impact on what life looks like. And so it's so important for us to understand both parts. What's expected are milestones, right? And then how that applies to everyday life. And so if you're not sure of what milestones should look like at a certain age, I covered the milestone series and that starts from 18 months all the way, I believe, to 42 months. And you can find those episodes. They are available to you. So what are some signs of some intellectual disabilities, aka cognitive impairments? And you might hear me using that word interchangeably. We might see sugar having difficulty sitting up or crawling or walking later than other sugars. 
or maybe they're acquiring language and learning language a little bit later, or they're having some difficulty speaking and using language, and in some cases, even being heard and understood. They might find it hard to remember things or have difficulties understanding and following social rules, not just understanding social rules, but following and practicing social rules. They may exhibit difficulty seeing the results of their actions. And finally, there may be some trouble with problem solving. And I go into a lot more detail in part one. So if you want some more information about that, please go ahead and listen to part one, because it's really important for us to not only know what's to be expected, but to also be able to flag the areas that are not quite where they should be. And so it's not only important to understand this stuff, it's also important to understand the role of the provider. And because I am a speech and language pathologist, I am going to cover my role if your sugar has a diagnosis and what to expect if you're going through this process of having a sugar that's being assessed and you're just wondering like, what should I expect or what's being covered? And most importantly, why it's being covered. You know, many times we can identify the areas that aren't going so great, but it's almost difficult for us to understand why. And it's not that it's trivial information. It's just that it gets overlooked because we automatically go into what's going wrong and let's just treat. But it's so important to understand that why component because the why explains to us what the root of things are beyond just what's happening and what I'm seeing. We want to understand from a deeper level, like what's happening. And so for speech and language pathologists, we work on areas where there's gaps, but we also work on the functional things. And in most cases, a lot of world changers, especially when sugar is young, they automatically start noticing that sugar's not talking. Or if sugar gets to preschool, sugar may not be learning the same way others are, or there's something that's really clear and blatant <laughs> that's happening that kind of triggers or flags that, hey, I might need to get some additional support. And so we look at gaps and we look at functionality. And what I mean by functionality is how this works, how this unpacks in, in the bigger scheme. Because remember, during those early years, everything social is happening because you need everything social to get through life, whether you no matter what kind of job you have, no matter where you go to school, no matter what you do, whether you have a family or not, like you need those social skills to thrive. And so we want to make sure that those functional skills are established because if not, the pragmatics will always come back. It always comes back to haunt us. So you can have like a gifted straight A sugar, right? Killing it academically. But if those functional skills are not established, we can kind of see things just kind of falling apart. And so we want to make sure that we're not just measuring like the academics and the strengths of the academics. And I applaud sugars who are like those amazing Einstein straight A students. Um, but we also want to look at the social skills, the interaction, the attachment, the other things that are going to get us from waking up in the morning to going to bed at night. So we, we got to work on that in between y'all. And so SLPs in general, not only do we work on the functionality of things, when we're looking at sugar, we're going to be looking at working on things based on the assessment results. After the test takes place, we're going to be looking at what age they are. Are they performing like their same age peers? What's the level of severity? Is it more on the milder end of things or is it more on 
the severe level of things. And there might be a little bit of a mix. We're also going to look at the cause of things. And that's why taking like a detailed medical background information, if it feels like we're probing, we're probing for a reason because it's kind of like putting all of the pieces together to understand, again, why things are going the way that they're going and why goals are not being met. We also look at the communication and not just if they're using words, but how they're using words. Are they using them not only when they want to get something from you, but are they using them when they're frustrated? Are they using them for transitions? Are they using words to request? Are they using sentences and phrases at the appropriate time? Or are they picking up five to seven new words a week when they're supposed to be going through the language boom? And we also look at how they're using that language if they're only coming to caregivers and others when they want something or need something. Or are they coming to them for bigger needs? Are they coming to hang out? Are they coming to play? Or are they just kind of getting a need met? Or on the other hand, are they a little bit passive and not interested? Or are they more on the aggressive end and always have like a need and are pulling at you as the world changer and educators and other people around to meet their needs? And so like the treatment itself, it varies, it ranges. And so everything I'm going to give today is going to be general. So some of the stuff may apply to your sugar or someone you know, and some of it may not. And that's okay because think about it. Every diagnosis, nobody has every single symptom. And so it's important for us to understand what they are in order to make educated decisions on how we treat. And so what we're looking at is the early communication skills. Are they acquiring the language? Are they pointing? Are they turn-taking during conversation? Or are they communicating and then kind of going the other way once they get what they want? Are they showing joint attention and not just looking at you in the eyes when they want to, but if you're starting a conversation with them, they're looking back at you and showing interest in what you're saying and contributing to that conversation. We look at the social interaction and the play and not just with the little sugars, but also with the adults around. We also look at if they're a younger sugar, if they're gravitating to other older kids versus same age peers. We're looking at how the play develops. Are they imitating other sugars play? Are they doing the same kind of play over and over and over again, no matter what activity or toy it is? Are they gravitating to the same kind of toy over and over and over again? We look at the pragmatic conventions and that's like the spoken and non-spoken language to make sure that they're communicating appropriately across situations. Because it's not just important for them to be able to initiate when they want something, but they need to be able to use their language across different scenarios. Like, for example, if they want something, are they saying, you know, what they want? Are they just providing one simple label or are they using a phrase? May I have or I want this when they need a transition? Are they telling you I'm all done or are they getting up and walking away when they don't like something that a same age peer has done, are they using physical aggression or are they telling the friend, no, thank you? Or are they automatically going to know and stop when people approach them and they're okay when left alone? And so we're looking at all of those things. Are they sitting down when we're sitting down with them and attending to the activity that we are the ones initiating? Are they only interested when they're the ones to initiate that? And so we also want to make sure that it's not just happening in one scenario, but it's developing across scenarios. 
We look at the speech sound production. Are they picking up and acquiring speech sound? If they say tap for cat and we just kind of come back and imitate what they say or we fix it without telling them to fix it, do they try to fix it? So if they say tap and then you come behind them and say, oh, you mean cat. Do they try to fix it the next time? Or is it the same thing over and over and over again? Are they ignoring you when you are using those sounds? As sugars get older, we look at their written language and their and the social language as it gets more complex because as sugars get older, the social communication, it gets a lot more complex for a variety of reasons, right? Kids start getting older, they have different interests, they have friends, their world grows, they have activities, there's things around them. Are they able to speak to those things on a deeper level? Are they able to take their words and make that transition into writing? Is it difficult for them to master that? Is it difficult for them to be able to pick up like how to read and how to decode and how to write sentences? And so we're paying attention to that um, as well in that aspect as well, because it's so important for sugars to be able to make that transition from spoken language to reading language to written language and then to paragraphs and essays and, and all of that other stuff that comes along with that. And so we want to make sure that that's developing appropriately. And we also want to make sure that when they're reading information or when information is being read to them, that they're able to understand it like the five W's, the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, the why's, and the how's. But we also want them as they get older to start thinking about how the character may feel or if they were in that position, more of like the critical thinking skills. How would they change the scenario? What did they get from it? How does the character relate? And so that's when you're getting into like that deeper, deeper level thinking or that deeper thinking in general. And so we want to make sure that that's developing appropriately and we can do it as early as is during the toddler years. Right. If sugar seen a friend fall down and you're like, oh, my gosh, is he OK? How do you think they're feeling? Can you check on them? You can embed that or incorporate that during play as well. If the animal falls down, oh, my gosh, let's check on them. Are you OK? Oh, that looks like that hurt. Poor baby. And so we can start building that into their everyday lives to be able to like think outside of their world and think about what's happening around them. And that's how we build up like more complex language, uh, getting them outside of themselves and seeing things from another character or another person's standpoint. And as communication gets more and more complex, it's so important for us to be able to see things not only from our own lens, but also from other people's lenses, right? Because think about it, world changers. This world is in such an interesting place right now. And there's so many different things that is going on that's occurring at the same time. But if you think about it, the more we're able to relate to each other and see things from others' perspectives, the more it gives us the capability and the skills to be able to not only empathize, that doesn't mean that we, we know exactly what the feeling is like, but we can at least acknowledge those feelings and be proactive about making necessary changes and altering behavior that's beneficial to the society as a whole. So this is how this stuff kind of plays out from childhood into adulthood. And I think, you know, especially now from a communication standpoint, watching this stuff is a lot of people just haven't had like the skill developed or enough opportunity to really think about the perspective of others 
especially for the larger good of society. And so we want to make sure that we're developing that skill in our sugars young. And, and this is what it looks like, especially if we know that they're not mastering it and they need more time, then that means, guess what, world changers, they need more opportunities. We don't want to deflect and take away the opportunity. We want to give them more opportunities, right? And so we also want to look at, from a speech and language standpoint, if they can communicate, right? If they're unable to communicate, can we create different avenues like speaking devices? And we call those AAC devices or PECs, picture exchange communication in order to help them be able to communicate their thoughts and their ideas in a different way. Because remember, language is a symbol system. And if they're not mastering the verbal symbol system, then we want to provide another means for them to be able to communicate. Because world changers, some sugars out there may not develop that use to be able to get that motor programming together to get out words and things, but they may have the, the mental capacity to be able to use a device and learn how to use a device in order to communicate their thoughts and ideas. And so it's so important. The last thing that we look at is the feeding and the swallowing piece. Yes, we cover feeding and swallowing. And yes, in some places it overlaps. And we look at it from the standpoint of, are they able to eat different textures? Can they pick up the food and put it in their mouth? Can they chew the food up and make a full swallow? Or is 10 minutes later, the same food still in their mouth? Or are they hoarding too much food in their mouth? Or are they eating so fast that they're choking themselves because there's not a lot of awareness there? And so speech and language, we look, we literally look at everything from the neck up, especially when looking at sugars. Well, we look at it in general, but we are sensitive to those things when looking at sugars with intellectual disabilities, especially if they are showing signs where there's not a whole lot of awareness there. It's not only important for us to understand from a speech and language standpoint, the milestones and all of these areas that sugar should be mastering and how to measure how they're doing in each of those areas. It's also important for us to understand across the board when sugar needs to be referred to another professional. And so the assessment team is so crucial because a lot of times a world changer will say who hasn't gotten wide enough information yet, they're just kind of starting off or there's just not a lot of tools and resources around to help tool them up they may say, well, my sugar is getting help, but they may not know that other professionals may need to be on the team to help their sugar globally thrive. And so some of the people that may also be on sugar's team are educators. That can be preschool providers. That can be school teachers. That can be whoever it is that's the classroom teacher or aide helping them along the way. And the aide usually provides the educator information for the educator to bring that information to the, the team as a whole. Pediatricians, that's Sugar's uh, physician. This is why I always say we don't wait and see. And if you bring information to the pediatrician or the pediatrician brings information to you, please listen to them. If your Sugar's educator taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm noticing Sugar is doing great in these areas and they're needing some support in these areas. And remember, think about what I just said. Sugar is doing great in these areas, but needs some support in, the, in other areas. And that lets us know that every sugar has the ability to master certain things and they have strengths. It just means that additional support is needed in other areas, right? Another person who can be on the support team or who may be on the support team is a psychologist. And they look at things from a total different standpoint from speech and language. They're looking at the mental health component. And while sometimes we kind of overlap 
they go a little bit deeper into the mental health piece. I look at more of the pragmatics. They look at more of the mental health. If a speech and language therapist does get enough certification and licensing, they can diagnose for things like autism. But for the most part, the psychologist is the one who's going to diagnose for autism, ADHD, and other mental health disorders that come along with that. Occupational therapy, they are amazing people because not only do they understand the fine motor movement, they're the ones who are going to help our sensory sensitive kids. And so they're really great at providing tools to help build up attention and focus and learning and conceptualizing and taking those concepts and doing them hands on. And so occupational therapy and speech therapy overlap so much so because one kind of relies on the other. If a sugar is capable of learning, but their sensory needs aren't being met, then it can impact their learning. And that's when occupational therapy comes in. Physical therapy is great for those big movements. That's your your big arm movements and your walking and and your, your gait, your core strength and all of those things. And so they're really great at helping with that. Audiologists, they are our hearing specialists and they determine if sugar's hearing is within normal limits at all levels. Because guess what? If sugar can't hear certain sounds and certain frequencies and certain words because different sound productions and different sounds that we use are at different decibel levels. And so if sugar is not picking that up, then it can impact so many areas. Literacy, using spoken language, processing information, because if it's not being processed right, then they're not going to be able to interpret it appropriately. And if they're not hearing the speech sounds right, then they're not going to be able to produce them appropriately. And so audiologists don't overlook them. They are a very important part of the team. And it's super important to rule out any kind of hearing impairments or hearing delays or deficits. ABA therapy. If there's difficulties with behavior that are beyond your scope to where you're just like, I've done everything traditional. I need help. I need more support. What can I do? That's where ABA therapy comes into play. Like they are the masters at helping with behavior and functional skills to get sugar through the day. And ABA therapy, in some cases, will even attend sugar school with them uh, at the preschool age, at the preschool level before they enter into public school. So they're really important tools because they team up not only with educators, they also team up with families and parents, providing them tools and assets as well to help them become successful. And finally, feeding specialists and nutritionists, they are also wonderful people who can help with diet sensitivities and expanding diet and uh, giving tips and tools for our sugars who are sensitive with with food and have food aversions and things like that. And so we want to make sure that we are utilizing them if sugar has difficulties in that area. And so these are all people that your speech and language pathologists or other professionals may make recommendations for additional testing to be completed with. But from my vantage point, I make recommendations where they're needed, like wherever the recommendation is needed. That's where I make it. Again, we're looking at areas that are strengths in areas that have not been mastered for functional use. And so from my vantage point, I want to make sure that everything is functionally used because functionally mastered, because I want to make sure that sugar is mastering everything that they're supposed to master. And so it's so important for us to be wise about who should be on the assessment team and what treatment areas should be worked on. It's also so important for us to be able to understand the service delivery decisions that are being made. And what I mean by service delivery is 
the services that you are getting for your sugar as a world changer. You need to understand, again, this word is going to come up, why you're getting them. What's the point of them and how this measures up in the grand scheme of things. You also need to know your rights. It's so important to know and understand your rights so you can advocate on your sugar's behalf. And not only that, so you can be educated about what's going on. Because remember, world changers, us professionals, we're only there for X amount of time. But for the long run, you need to understand and know this stuff. And so it's not just up to us to know and understand. It's also up to you to be able to get the tools that you need to know and understand every aspect of the diagnosis, of the treatment, of every goal. And so first things first, service delivery, it can take place in a number of places, right? It can depend on what your needs are, your personal needs. Maybe you need more service delivered at home, or maybe sugar needs more service delivered in school, or maybe you need more support helping get tools throughout the community. So maybe the service is being delivered in the community, not so much right now, but it does happen. Or maybe as they get older in the work setting, it just depends. It it truly depends. But first things first, I want you to know that the service delivered should be a fit for your family. No matter what is in that report, no matter what the results are of the assessment, It should always be a fit for you guys, whatever the treatment plan is. If the treatment plan is not a fit for your family, if you feel like it's not, the goals are not even in alignment with what your needs are, then the provider either needs to like give an explanation as to why these goals are being used instead of other goals that are benefiting the family. And the goal should be realistic. Remember, world changers, if pragmatics have not been mastered, pragmatic goals should always be on the forefront of your mind because pragmatics never changes. It it never changes. And, And what I mean by that is it's something that's always going to be needed. It's always going to be required in order to get through life. So even if you have a bunch of academic goals, always make sure if pragmatics has not been mastered, unless it's like a severe case or a profound case to where there's just no understanding at all, then that should always be embedded within your goals. You should understand each assessment administered, every test that's being conducted, you should understand what it is and why it's happening. And so at the beginning of my assessments, I always say, this is the test that we're going to use. This is what it does. This is why we're using it. And this is what it's going to tell us. And it only takes two or three minutes for an assessor to give that information because it's important for you to know what's being measured. The assessor, once it's done, they should go over the entire report with you. There should not be any part of that assessment that you don't know and don't understand. And if the language is too heady, this is not the time to not ask questions. Ask questions. I don't understand what you mean. Can you please break that down in the layman's terms? Because sometimes we get a little bit, you know, caught up in our in our own language, in our own world, and, and we just make it difficult, unbeknownst to us, that we're not making it understandable for you guys. And it should always be understood by you. Because remember, 
you're your sugar's biggest asset. And so if you don't know what's going on in that report and what they're measuring and why they're measuring it, then it's not doing you and your family any good. You should understand all the goals and the outcomes of all the goals. What's being expected? What is expected here? Why is this goal here? What does this goal mean? What are we building to? Especially if it's something that's a little bit more abstract, like what does this mean? And sometimes like when we give language goals and not just like building up nouns and verbs and things, and they start talking about modifiers and they start talking about suffixes or they start talking about like deeper things, then you need to ask when children get into like the the high school age and they start talking about idioms (laughs) and they start talking about alliterations and and those kinds of things, ask, what does this mean? Not just for them, why aren't they mastering it? But also, what does this mean in the deeper scheme of things? And how can I incorporate this in life? Because everything that they do academically, for the most part, can translate into everyday life. And so that's where your role is super important, world changer, because you can then generalize these goals and create opportunities within the home. The goal should also reflect your family needs. And I mean, I can't emphasize this enough that the goals should make sense to you guys. For example, if Sugar is a straight A student and they are amazing in class because it's super structured in its best case scenario. But when you ask Sugar to transition and stop what they're doing, 30 minutes later, they're still tantruming or it turns into a power struggle that should not be, or you're having to deflect or overcompensate or you're avoiding or something along those lines, then the goal should not probably be on more academic stuff. It should probably be on getting Sugar to learn how to transition because that stuff doesn't go away. You should also be able to indicate when goals are not working. If it's not working, why keep doing it? It it doesn't make sense. That either means that it needs to be changed. The method and how it's being enacted needs to change. Or maybe sugar needs more opportunity. Or maybe it's just plain out not working. Either way it goes, being able to understand your sugar in this way to know like if something is working or not, or you're at least able to voice your opinion, please do so. Please do so. Or if they're saying, oh, it's working here, that's when you can say, hey, you know what? I tried the same thing. It's not working for me at home. Can we run through what's happening? Let me tell you what's going on at home. And can you provide me some feedback on what I can do to make it work the way that you're making it work? Because remember, there's no reason for me to be better at being with your sugar than you are. That That's not doing me any good, right? And always keep that in your mind that The professional being amazing with your child is not helpful for you. It's partially helpful, but it's not 100% helpful if you're not able to be as successful with sugar, right? If you're not able to be successful with your own sugar and somebody else's, then you need to know what the heck they're doing and be able to carry it out. So that just means that you need to get told up, right? Right. Finally, finally, goals should be culturally appropriate. They should totally be culturally appropriate. We can't overlook that we are in a melting pot with so many differences culturally. You can live in the same town and have cultural differences. You can have a neighbor and have cultural differences. And so it's essential to understand the differences. And so sometimes a provider may 
shape goals based on what's culturally appropriate for them. But it's always okay to voice what's appropriate within your culture and find that good balance for what works, what truly works, not just for one, but for the other. And it shouldn't be so one-sided that you're not getting your needs met or it doesn't make sense to even try it because it makes no sense to, to your culture or maybe more education needs to happen. And this is where it becomes so important, that relationship, because world changers, no matter what, even if you are the same ethnicity and race background and all of that stuff, it's so important to have that trust there. Because if you don't trust your team, then it's really hard to be able to buy into whatever it is that they're presenting. And so that's where that deeper relationship is crucial for you, world changer, to be comfortable with sharing your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings about things and that your working professional feels comfortable sharing that stuff with you. Because again, while we have the education and the background knowledge, you are the world changer, you're the parent. And so you know more about your sugar than we ever will. And you have something so special to contribute to the team. And I don't want you to forget that. I don't want you to walk away forgetting that and ever doubting who you are in Sugar's life and what you can contribute because you can contribute so much more because you have time and space and they're a part of you. And that makes it so much more special. And as much as I love all of my sugars on my caseload, I love every last one of them. I also understand that my world changers have so much more to offer. And that's why it's more important for me to tool them up. Now, world changers, that's it for me today. I had a blast giving you guys this information. And I know that this episode is a lot more meaty and heady. And it's getting, you know, some of you guys out there thinking and reflecting on what changes do I need to make? Do I need to make some changes? What needs to happen? How can I, you know, adapt or adjust? And is it too late? I already have, you know, these professionals that we have this working relationship and some things are working and some things are not. Well, you know what? Take the time and write down what's working. Take the time to write down the things that aren't or the areas that you may need some clarity in. It's so important. Remember, teamwork, trusting your team understanding your sugar. That's that's the basis of everything I've got this kid is all about is getting you world changer tooled up so you can go out there comfortably understanding your sugar, understanding different diagnoses, understanding the, the grand scheme of things so you can be an asset to them and we can push them to purpose, maximizing their potential. So if you have any questions about this episode or past episodes or you want a consultation and you're just like, Sharina, can you help me a little bit? Let me just you know, run this by you, please feel free to email me at questions that I've got this kid.com. You know, I'd love to hear from you. I love listening. I love talking just as much, but I'm here for you as a tool and an asset. And there's no such thing as a silly question, just an unanswered question. So get those questions answered. Don't let them linger in your mind. Okay, y'all. So if you haven't done so, catch up on past episodes, join our community and share with a friend because I got some great tips that go out during the week and some great motivation and Again, the blog, all kinds of great stuff go out every single week. And last, don't forget, next week is our last episode of the year. We will be talking about executive functioning, and I'm going to be breaking all that good stuff down. And this is probably going to be geared a little bit more to our older sugars, just because this is when we see things kind of fall apart. But I'm also going to talk about what we can do for our younger sugars as well. Remember, world changers, we're better together. 
So let's keep this community going. I love being with you guys. Take care. Merry Christmas. Until the next time, y'all. Take care.